Welcome back to Bull Droppings, everybody. I'm Josh McSwain here with my co-host, AJ Torres. And today we are going to wrap up week 18 and the year that has been, as well as some more pieces that have been moving that could affect the Watson situation. And finally, just give a little bit of what we expect to see going into the playoffs. But let's start with Sunday. We... Had another pretty good performance against the Titans, but in the end it wasn't enough as they got the win to take the number one seed while we ended the year 4-13. and 13. So, I mean, we're down a little bit and then we made a game of it. So, ultimately, I just felt like it was about consistent with what we've seen most of this year. This team is one that doesn't give up, but it just it lacks talent. I that agree. Seem to be the epitome of this season for this team, and I don't think anyone's necessarily surprised. No, not surprised at all. But uh, if you go by the look at, just remember, there's some people that lost a good amount of money because some people didn't think the Texans weren't going to win a single game. Yeah, and that was always yeah, just that. beyond ridiculous. I mean, Absolutely. you have to be a special kind of bad to not win a single game in an NFL season. That's why it's only happened three different times with the Buccaneers in 76 and the Lions in 08 and then the Browns in 2017. But remember, even on those teams, there were some really close games if you remember that 08 lions team they lost to the vikings 12 to 10 because dan orlovsky ran out in zone yes very true, very true. and then i think it was Corey coleman who dropped a potential mm-hmm. game winning touchdown in week 16 at pittsburgh to seal the imperfect season for the Lions, or not for the Lions, for the Browns, that year. So, yes. ultimately, you knew you had two games against the Jaguars, which are a team that just seems like they're in perpetual disarray. So I figured at least we'd get one win out of that. We ended up with two. And then the other two wins were both somewhat unexpected for me. I kind of thought we would split with the Jags for one win and then get two more potentially against the Panthers, the Jets, or the Dolphins. We ended up losing all three of those games, surprisingly enough. Obviously, we got the one win in Nashville and then the upset victory over the Chargers, which was the best game of our season. I think we both agree on that. Absolutely. I mean, if you kind of look back at it, I'm going to say that the game that uh, if you go by a game of the year candidate, it was that last game of the year of the Chargers versus the Raiders. And the Raiders fans, uh, they were really thinking that this was going to be a tie and Pittsburgh was going to go home. But apparently, a controversial timeout call, they said, The hell with you. We're kicking the field goal. We're going to score later. Go home. But if you think about it, Losing to the Houston Texans, an organization that does not have their crap together, 
that is almost a justifiable offense for you to say, you know what? Sure. We're going to see you on the field in mid-January on the golf course. Yeah. <laughs> on the golf course. <laughs> but anyways, let's get back to Sunday's game. We had a Danny Amendola sighting. Yeah. Just another one of the old guys that has suddenly become relevant again in Houston. I don't know if Amendola or Rex Burkhead will be back. Once again, we're trying to recycle old Patriots guys. Amendola, couple TDs, 113 yards. What I found more shocking was that we actually made Julio Jones finally look like an NFL caliber receiver after he'd stunk all season. Well, he was dealing with a lot of injuries, to be fair. Well, but finally, Julio Jones, time, five catches for 58 is. yards and a touchdown. It's like, if this Tennessee team is healthy, they are potentially Super Bowl caliber. Okay, potentially. They are Super Bowl caliber. You might potentially see them in the Super Bowl. The AFC is very squished together. We'll get into more of that later. But you look at... Our defense against the Tennessee rushing attack with no Derrick Henry. We held Dante Foreman to just 69 yards on 21 carries. And as a team, we held the Titans under four yards a carry. Judging by where our run defense has been all year, that's really not bad. No. And to be honest with you, the running backs coming out of that backfield that is not Derrick Henry. It's just the way that they look, the way that they run the ball. They are just not the same. Now listen, this offensive line is not credited the way that uh, other offensive lines are. When you think of the good offensive lines in the NFL, you think of the Browns last year, you think of the Colts. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? X, Y, Z. If you look at any other running back outside Derrick Henry there that the Titans have put in, it is just not the same. It is a much different beast, and it just shows you what Derrick Henry can do and how talented he is. And thank goodness our daddy, Derrick Henry, didn't just stomp on us because, again, it was a blowout in the first half. And somehow they, the, the Titans just left all those unanswered points on the board. And then they said, okay, hold on. Uh, hold my beer. We're going to stomp on your dreams for making it hard for us. Right. But it did help us with draft selection. <laughs> yeah, there's that. That's a plus. Obviously, you're the conductor on the draft Evan Neal train. Yes. And yes. I, mean, I don't exactly blame you, although Alabama didn't come out on top of the national championship game the other night against Georgia. Granted, that Georgia defense has a, been a nasty unit all year and Absolutely. drove the dogs to a championship. I unfortunately was unable to watch the national championship game because – I was 
traveling Monday night, but were you able to see the game and maybe get a look at Evan Neal? I did not, unfortunately. Well, we're going to have to go back and look at that, but I mean, obviously a lot has been written about Evan Neal so far, and obviously he's got good mobility for a big guy. He may not be as agile as maybe prime Tyron Smith was, but you also got a road grading potential guy at tackle. That would be another bonus. I mean, obviously someone like Aaron Smith, good run blocker as well, but I've always thought pass protection was his forte. You might have Neil, a guy that's maybe a little bit more balanced, I know it just comes down to what type of offense that you want to run. Having a great player that can do both, obviously. Always everybody. (laughs) Anyways, yeah, seven touchdown passes between Davis Mills and Ryan Tannehill. I don't think anybody really saw that coming. Uh, Yes. Yeah, 300 yards for Mills. Of course, it helps whenever you can't run the ball and you're throwing all the time. Correct. So I think this might be more evidence in the whole, we got to make Mills our guy crowd. And, you know, I think maybe he deserves a chance. Maybe we should go ahead and, you know, beef up our pass protection a little bit, maybe get some more talent in the backfield and on the outside and and see what we got with him rather than drafting Kenny Pickett, who may or may not be available at three. But, yeah, Pickett's not a guy that I'm just head over heels for, and I'm sure he'll be the first quarterback off the board, and rightfully so. He had a really good year for Pitt this year. Actually, it's very funny because uh... – I see this. Uh, this was from FanDuel, I believe. The top okay. seven draft picks, I actually agree with as we sit here right now. The top All seven right. picks. So we have the obviously, we got the two edge rushers Hutchinson going to Jags, Thibodeau going to the Lions, Evan Neal, the Texans. Derek Stingley Jr. from LSU corner to the Jets. That's the number one desperate need they have to do outside offensive line, in my opinion. Right. We have they have uh, the they have the uh, defensive end. It's uh, George K. from Purdue going to the Giants. And everyone's kind of wondering, wait, what? That's where you go to? Hold up, Kenny Pickett to the Panthers. So that's their fifth quarterback in three years. And Matt Rule's got to make a good decision because guess what? All that money and everything else, the owners, this no-nonsense wants to win. It doesn't matter who is in their division. If you just go by you being a good football team, you trying to get back to the playoffs, I got news for you. If Matt Rule, regardless of his quarterback situation, doesn't matter if it's Pickett and he progresses well, if he has a piss poor third year, he's fired. So he better be careful. If you don't love Kenny Pickett, you better 
find something in the offseason. Which we can get to. Yeah, this is going to be an interesting offseason for quarterbacks. Yes. You got all sorts of big names that could be on the move. Aaron Rodgers, who knows what's going to happen with him. Russell Wilson, perhaps. And of course, the one that we always talk about on this show disgruntled Deshaun. Now, of (laughs) course, we're making the huge assumption that his legal drama pans out. Let's just say it does, and where he could be on the move to. Carolina certainly would be a potential destination for him. However, it came out after the firing of Brian Flores in Miami that Coach Flo was part of the reason that Watson wanted to go to the Dolphins. And I can't blame him because if you look at Coach Flo, like – Everybody from uh, the offense and everybody else uh, basically said, uh, hey, man, we love Coach Flo. And the thing that got me was we're going by, oh, hey, uh, what's this deal with two in the rumors? And he's just like, two is your quarterback. Next question. And he was beating the dead horse about for weeks, turned into about a month. And everyone's saying, okay, what's going on? Tua didn't develop. His expectations met for the two years he's been in the league are just not being met by even half of the standards I think I have. So the owner, Stephen Ross, is blaming it on Coach Flo. He wants him out, especially since because Stephen Ross said, this is our quarterback, I don't care what you think. And what happens now? You say you're not pursuing Deshaun. He says because he went to Michigan and his heart is for it, he's not stealing hardball away from Michigan which I think is a bad thing you do as an owner because you say, okay, our best interest is not for this team, this organization. So another bad call by Stephen Ross. But with that being the case scenario, Deshaun's status just simply becomes, it becomes too much in the air. And it's also terrible because if he sits on the bench not playing, He's still going to get paid another $10 million just to sit on the couch. He needs his lawsuit settled, which is going to be about a month from now. Which, thank goodness, and I hope this trial goes well. I mean, mean, come on, in a month from now, the Super Bowl is going to happen. His trials are going to start. And then what happens afterwards? You have the Super Bowl parade, and then you have... Hey, guess what? What's going on in the offseason? And I don't know about you, but I want to just cut the crap with this. It's like, listen, guilty or not guilty, I want to sound like I'm one of the jurors from 12 Angry Men. Great great classic film with Gregory Peck, by the way. But this is just what's concerning me. It's like, okay, if he's clean, best case scenario. It's like, okay, dude, are you going to be a pain in the ass or are you just going to ride the bench and get paid $10 million a year, which is a quarter of what he's supposed to make up to like the third or fourth year or something or is he gonna just say look i'll go here it's like listen give us like destinations and i hope if he is cleared i hope that he just picks a couple of teams and goes like that i mean i know different sport but if you go to baseball it's like okay um we organize something with this do you agree you say yes or no, and then you have the meeting with the team. And that goes from there. If you say yes, 
then they could approve on the package deal. But, I mean, oh, it's so frustrating now. Especially since you got the market that's just heating up. What the hell is going to happen with Aaron Rodgers? Because it sounds like he was going to leave after this year. You got, you know, two of that could be on the move, but that's a grain of salt. And there's actually a rumor about Jimmy Garoppolo going to the Panthers for a fourth round pick. Yeah. I mean, all these rumors, I just, I'm just in wait and see mode on all of them. I'm getting but my thought is myself. which quarterback at this point would be the most desirable. If you have Watson, who is the youngest, he would have be a little rusty after a year out of the game, but I might desire him a little bit more than I might with Wilson or Rogers simply because, I mean, I know Rogers is going to be a little bit iffy just because he's still an MVP type form, but he's going to be like 38 years old. And of course this is pending that he still wants to play. I'm not convinced that he won't retire this offseason, especially if the Packers win the Super Bowl. But again, we'll get to more of the playoff stuff later. Wilson had a down year this year for the Seahawks. Granted, a lot of things didn't go right for Seattle this year. He's in his early 30s. So now you have Watson, a guy in his 20s who you could build your franchise around. Of course, the big thing is, even if he is acquitted, people are still going to hate him. I mean, how can you not? Well, in the court of public opinion, you're seemingly guilty until proven innocent. But I digress on this point. I still think there are a lot of teams out there who would want to make a deal for Watson. You talked about the Panthers. Of course, you don't know if the Panthers are actually going to spend to solve their quarterback problem. They're going to try and keep patching it up with duct tape, which is seemingly what Jimmy G would be. Another injury-prone quarterback that's up there in age. And while he's not terrible, it's like, this is really your guy. I mean, I see him as a guy in the same vein as Darnold might be, but obviously better. He is essentially the potential that Darnold never realized. That's how I see Garoppolo. Obviously... Cam Newton's not coming back. P.J. No. Walker, they just want to ignore him. So uh, there's him all, as a what backup. you got with that. That's it. And now, obviously the interesting one anywhere. could potentially be the Vikings. I don't know that there's a lot between Cousins <sighs> and him, and obviously you're going to have a new coach coming in. So if Coach Flores were to get hired by the Vikings, per se, Ooh. because I think Flores will get another head coaching job he will be someone else's head coach in 2022 agreed so now you got the vikings who might want to move on from kirk cousins so it could be a possibility you've got the giants who have seemingly very abruptly fired joe judge but Uh, i don't know what's going to happen with daniel jones danny wheels i mean i don't know why Someone would just be head over heels to keep Daniel Jones, who hasn't shown a whole lot in his time with the Giants. Maybe problem just be is, time problem is the salary cap. Clean house there. with that. 
I mean, I don't know if the Giants would be a possibility for Watson. And then Washington. Washington is a tricky one. But between the owner and everything else going on, now granted Dan Snyder's been the most controversial uh, figure in sports outside maybe somebody in the caliber of Alex Rodriguez. But I digress. Right. I mean, we'll see what the options are, but uh, I still think as much as Deshaun said that I'm not going there, I still want to put the Eagles on there because if you look at it, right, the wide receiver core is a lot more talented than you think. And mind you, outside of Devontae Smith, every other guy last year on that squad, they basically pulled from the parking lot and said, hey, here's a name. Quez Watkins, Jay Jaw, uh, you know, you name it. I mean, you have some of these guys, right, that just played and they balled out. As far as what they have done to some of these other guys, like, uh, like I'll give you an example. All those guys I just mentioned have had more an effect on that team than Jalen Rieger. Agreed. Who's going to be the most known as one of the most dis, basically one of the most disappointing players within the next, probably this decade, because you're going to be known for the wide receiver picked behind, or rather in front of, Jetta. Yes, indeed. And think about it. Jetta has performed better than Henry Ruggs, won't go there, Jerry Judy, and you can argue C.D. Lamb. Oh, I think that's uh, not really much of a question. I think Jefferson has outperformed Lamb, not an offense to Lamb, who's been pretty good. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like you could make that argument right there as far as like a comparison, but everybody else in the wide receiver class, he blows out of the friggin' water. Right. It's not even close because if you just look at it, right, and everyone's saying, oh, Kirk Cousins isn't great. You listen, forget feeling with his injury right now. You put Jetta on the field, and guess what? You forget that Stefan Diggs was a Viking because Jetta just goes out there, catches the ball. His speed and yards after contact are just phenomenal. Yes. But now we have another team with a head coach opening. What about the Broncos? Obviously, it's been long rumored to be a destination for Rodgers. Obviously, we know that's highly contingent. But, you know, if they were to hire Flores, you know, maybe Watson opens up to going there. So, I find it very interesting that uh, the GM, and I mean legit GM for the Broncos, because uh, we know that... uh, You know, John Elway has stepped back and he's just saying, hey, you guys do your thing. Obviously, I haven't been doing what I should be doing at a high performance level. So the GM is going to be able to pick his hire. So the problem is, if he does the interview and let's say he is able to talk to Rodgers or whoever it is. I wonder if he's going to be able, the organization is going to be able to hire based upon, hey, does the quarterback that we like or want to have like him? Kind of goes like this. It's like if the GM somehow does the interview before he has a GM hired, 
if he just goes, hey, name your G- name your head coach. And if he points the finger and goes, yes, yeah, do your best and see what you can do. But uh, furthermore, there was uh, Black Monday is, uh, you know, it's the day football regular season is finally over. And we wake up, we go to ESPN or Fox Sports or whatever it is on our phone, and we see this guy fired, that guy fired, head coach, coordinator, GM, whoever. And there's been a lot of firings, which one was classified as a quote-unquote retirement. But a lot of people thought that David Culley would be added on that list, along with Brian Flores, Matt Nagy, Mike Zimmer, and everybody else. So as a whole, how do you like his Cully's performance this year? I mean, ultimately, like we talked about earlier, this team just didn't have a ton of talent, had next to no expectations. I feel like in-game, Cully was not the best. His game management was off at times, but I feel like he motivated the players enough to go out there and compete every week. And so for that reason, I think the organization kept him. And it's just sort of a process while Casario just tries to get the pieces in place to go the direction that he wants to go. I know some people are probably not on board with me. They think that Collie's absolutely horrific, but, you know, I think he just did the best he could with what he had presented to him. The problem being is with this roster, okay, and here's where it becomes very inconclusive. Do I think that keeping him around that you prevent a better guy similar to Brian Flores, similar to, uh, I can't say Matt Nagy, uh, possibly Eric Bieniemy, like we talked about last offseason. Another better guy or better candidate stepping in the shoes, a guy who's younger, has a better relationship with the players. Do I think that by keeping Coley around that you miss out on that opportunity? I think the answer is yes on all accounts, but... I will say, in his defense, and as well as Jack Easterby's defense, number one, with any head coach, are you getting a couple more wins in the W category? And you can't really say yes or no to that. We're lucky to get that one game in Nashville, and that was because of rain. That was Fugazi, and we all know it. Can we count that win against Jacksonville week one with all the crapola going against Urban Meyer? What head coach was going to stop Jonathan Taylor from becoming our joint custody holder along next to Derrick Henry? Well, not many would have, but... 
I don't think it was interesting that Taylor just laid an egg in week 18. So he's had some bad games, but I see your point. Against the worst rush defense in the NFL is why I'm saying the Texans. And I just don't think anyone else could do that. Maybe not be the worst, maybe like 29th, but. If you just look at the talent on the field, if you go to PFF, if you look at the stat sheet, this was just low expectations for a reason. The head coach, I just don't think, could factor too, too much. But do I think it could have a better culture there? Oh, absolutely. I hate using the word. I think it's BS when a head coach uses it when they're not winning. But when everybody is pissed off and not having a good time, because if you remember, over at the Lions, listen, we thought that he was going to be – potentially gone after this year, you know, one and done year. But the guys love playing for him. Well, I think that's a little bit of a stretch on Dan Campbell. But I don't think he was ever going to be one and done. But like you mentioned, he's a player's coach. Players like him and whatnot. It's like the anti-Joe Judge who is just like, just a hard, a very inflammatory personality who just couldn't keep it together. But anyways, it'll be a very interesting off season to see where Deshaun goes. He'll probably go somewhere before the draft. And I wonder if, the Giants, since they have two picks in the top ten this year, they could be a trade candidate. Obviously, it's going to be a a wait-and-see sort of thing if the Giants are going to actually get some younger blood in there who is actually going to have a modern mentality of the game or if the Giants are still going to try and be bringing back Ernie Acrossi and Acorsi, however you pronounce his name, and trying to still win old school. Because I think that's what they've been trying to do, and it doesn't work. Well, the Giants are already in negative cap space. They're actually in negative cap space for week 18. It was uh, quite interesting. If we go to the cap hit that they got, I mean... It's, it's surreal. I mean, between Leonard Williams, James Bradbury, of course, Kenny Galladay, uh, Blake Martinez, there's a not a lot of room for cap space and moving around. I just don't think that they could afford to bring a guy like Deshaun. And that also means for anyone that has any hopes for Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson to come to New York or even if Deshaun Watson, even if he took a little bit of a pay cut, it is absolutely illogical. Absolutely pitiful. I mean, right. the fact that some of these guys are on the books for what they are, some of it's actually sickening for the Giants. I mean, is there any way that they move? Here's a dumb one. Kyle Rudolph for almost for $7.4 million. Ooh, yikes. I mean, why the hell they do that? You know, Andrew, uh, Andrew Thomas, he's been okay, but not great. 
Sterling Shepard. Can't believe the guy is going to be on that payroll for a $12.5 million cap hit. Adore Jackson, barely heard of him all year. Fifteen and a quarter million. Galladay's for over twenty-one. Uh, James Bradbury's for nearly twenty-two, and Laird Williams for the cap hit is twenty-seven-three. I mean, Jesus Christ! Excuse the language, but I mean, you got a defensive end who hasn't really had his name called much for thirteen percent of your cap in football. Not baseball, football, NFL. One of 53 guys that don't cut it. The, the stuff they would yeah, have to trade Yeah, if you're paying a pass rusher off, that much, he better be prime J.J. Watt. You better be T.J. Watt, prime J.J., or Aaron Donald. And that guy doesn't even deserve to hold the jock strap of the guys we just mentioned. I'm sorry, but that's just the game. Now, granted, the Texans cap space, I will say, the last couple of years, it's been a very big problem. We are 29-7 in range. And that's before unloading Deshaun. If I were to take a look at it at this moment in time, of course, Deshaun is actually on the cap for $40 million. $40.4 million. So, how would they take this? Right. Like it or not, the Texans are going to have to pay some of this money. They're going to have to pay some of it. Yeah. And to make it more laughable, we need a sick bag. Laramie Tunsil's not for 26. Yay. Anyways, looking at some other cap spaces. Washington and Denver actually look like they could good nations. They got plenty of room. And they seem like among those with top cap space could be the most interesting destinations. Of course, with the Dolphins, they're projected to have the most. Obviously, it comes down to did Watson only want to go to Miami for Flores or did he want to go there for other reasons? I don't know if he'd still be interested in going to Miami or not. Personally, I'd be very wary about going there because that organization is just a circus. Gotcha. So, But for the record, I don't believe Stephen Ross said that they're not interested. I think they certainly would be interested in Deshaun because it seemed like a few months ago, Ross was pushing to make a deal. Now he's like, oh, never mind. Yeah, that don't smell right. So here's a theory, and this hasn't been talked about. This hasn't been floated around too much. Let's go with the Steelers. You've heard of, hey, Dwayne Dwayne Haskins is the backup, or Mason Rudolph, or blah, blah, blah. If Big Ben retires i think he would give up big cap right as in you're not owed a damn thing is that correct i think that's right i don't know for sure but either way 
without Ben's uh, Big Ben's salary going on, on the books, there's a dead cap of Big Ben's salary. It is just under $45 million. So that's enough for them to get a quarterback, which this team has the talent to be in win-now mode. I wouldn't start over if I'm Pittsburgh. And listen, do I know that guys like no. uh, yeah, TJ Watt, Cameron Hayward, Minka Fitzpatrick, you know, the Devin Bush, you could argue, the wide receiver core. I mean, if you just look at some of these guys on this team, I'm not trying to rebuild. Are we gonna is this team gonna be like Peyton no. Man after he retires and the team's just gonna crap the bed because of poor quarterback performance? I don't think so. Not me, man. So, not for nothing. This is what I'm doing. If I'm the Steelers, I know I'm going to have to give up something significant. But I'm trying to see if I get Deshaun there. And also, just remember this. If you are the Rams, the reason why you give up your draft picks, particularly the first round, is because the sign-in bonus on these guys along with total base salary, et cetera, et cetera, costs a lot. And people yes, forget that. So if you give it up for a talent that you like and is going to be on, you know, less money, that's why they give up the pick. So I really think that the Sean, again, once everything's cleared, Mike Tomlin won't have reporters asking him about the next college football open, which I got to give, uh, I got to uh, reach out my heart to him because the guys asking him that, that was clearly disrespectful. Yeah, it certainly was. But you talked about the Steelers being in make them more pursue. Rodgers or Wilson, who is not going to have to shake off a year of rust. I think, honestly, the Steelers would be a better destination for Rodgers if Rodgers comes back. And then, you know, Denver might be better for Deshaun. But again, this is a big wait-and-see moment. And I talked about the Vikings, but actually their cap situation is really bad. They're over the cap as well. They might, I don't know if Cousins has a way that he could just be cut without having to owe him money. We're not really going to get into that. So uh, let's just he's, move he's on actually, a little bit to the playoffs and let's just kind of roll with some. Million on the cap. <laughs> right, because they get rid of him without any penalty. That's the biggest thing. No, that that's not a that's all dead cap right there. I mean, no matter what, the hit is forty five, cut and dry. There's okay, no okay. So way that, out of yeah, it. let's just forget about that one then. I mean, I just thought of it as an idea as a place you could hire Flores, but obviously, if Flores goes there, it looks like Watson ain't gonna be joining him there. Well, let's just go ahead. Let's get into this weekend and let's just talk about the wild card round and who we think will be in the Super Bowl next month. So, Saturday, the playoffs begin. First game is going to be 
the Raiders at the Bengals. Who do you like in that one? I'm taking Bengals. I do too. I mean, it's a great little spurt here for the Raiders to win their last four. Daniel Carlson made some clutch kicks at Cleveland, made the game winner against the Chargers, but I just I don't know how good that team really is. And it's been a very interesting story to watch them be galvanized under Rich Basaccia. And, you know, despite Gruden being gone and the Ruggs situation, they still made it through. And I'm happy that Derek Carr gets a chance to play in a playoff game because he couldn't back against us in 2016 because he was injured in the second last game when he was having an MVP caliber season. So, I mean, good for him. But, yeah, I'm, I'm going with Joe Burrow and the Bengals to get their first playoff win since before I was born. We'll just go with that. Yes. Second game on Saturdays, the Patriots at the Bills. This one is tough, but yes. give me Patriots. Yeah, this is a tough one for me, too. We remember the first game that these two played against each other. Mac Jones threw three passes, and they just ran the ball a ton, but still managed to win. I don't know what the weather is going to be quite the same this time around. But I think the Bills went into New England. They made a statement a few weeks ago, and I think they're not afraid of the Patriots anymore. I'll say that Belichick is not to be underestimated, and, and it wouldn't surprise me either I way, but I'm going with the Bills. That's where I think it gets crazy, and particularly – if this game is played in dry land, that is, it's not going to stop them. It's just not. I mean, Bill Belichick, Bills, dry land. I mean, I think it's in his favor. Yeah, it's certainly going to be one of the better matchups of the weekend. So now we go to Sunday's games. Going over to the NFC for a minute, we got the 49ers and the Cowboys. Give me the Niners. It's kind of funny because last week Matt came on this show and he said that the Niners, well, the Cowboys were the team that he was most scared of for his Niners, and I'm just... Maybe because of the old huh? school rivalry where something's in the air? I don't know. It's always possible. I've kind of gone back and forth on that game, too, because <clears throat> I see what Matt is saying whenever he talks about when the Cowboys' offense is going. It's arguably the best in the league, but... After a great first half, Dak kind of tailed off a little bit in the second half of the season, though. We've seen stretches of him. Like, even you look at him against the Raiders first half, he was horrible. Then he leads a massive comeback in the second half. But once again, our man Daniel Carlson came through and made a game-winning kick for the Raiders in that one. So, like we've seen many years with the Cowboys, it depends on which team shows up. But this Niners yeah. team, because they can, they travel well because they run the ball, got a really good defense. I'm leaning toward the 49ers as well. 
And also we got the Buccaneers and the Eagles on Sunday. Do we really have to argue about that one? I mean, I'm going Bucks there. I just think that the Eagles team just does not have the coaching, the tools, or the weapons to defend themselves against the Super Bowl champs. Defend I would Super agree Bowl that champs. there is a gap in talent, but you have to think with all the injuries that the Bucks are dealing with right now, I give the Eagles at least a puncher's chance in this one. But I ultimately, I think they'll keep it close. But ultimately, you're betting against Brady at your own peril. So I'll take Tampa as well. And now for the Sunday matchup that I feel like is the easiest pick of the wild card round: Steelers going to the Chiefs. Chiefs all the way. Yes. So next. So finishing out the weekend, we got Monday night between the Cardinals and the Rams. You know, I'm taking Rams because, again, I think the Cardinals were exposed. I think they're frauds, and uh, hopefully Matt Stafford throws the ball better. Yeah, this is another one I could see going either way. I mean, the Rams have the talent to compete with anybody, but they just have strange games where they just don't play well. I mean, they blew a lead against the Niners last week. They were down against the injury and COVID-laden Ravens, and Stafford's kind of been slumping. I kind of want to see Stafford get another – well, not another – get his first playoff win and another appearance for a team that's not the Lions. I mean, the Rams are more talented and – but some part of me just thinks that they're equally capable of blowing it. However, even if J.J. Watt is back for the Cardinals in this game, I just, I'm not sure I can see the upset, but, well, no, I could, I mean, I could see it, but I'm just not confident enough to pick it. So I'm going to go with the Rams, but very hesitantly. Very fair. Yep. So now we'll close with who is your favorite to come out of both the NFC and the AFC? Hmm. For me, I think that the NFC is Green Bay's to lose. They look like a team. They got home field advantage. I mean, obviously with Tampa Bay, you Brady's the equalizer with everything, but just last year, Tampa Bay got healthy at the right time, and they still squeaked by at Lambeau. I think this time around, Rodgers and the Packers will be ready for him, and against a Tampa team, it's not going to be at full strength. So, with Dallas, I don't trust them to string three wins together and get to the Super Bowl. They, they might win wild card weekend. Could they win a divisional round game? Well, they'd be going to Tampa most likely, so I don't know, maybe. Regardless, I don't see Dallas making it to the Super Bowl. L.A. and Arizona, whoever wins that game, too inconsistent. So, yeah, I'm, 
I just got to stick with Green Bay. San Francisco would be an extreme dark horse. But if San Francisco goes to Lambeau, like I am, well, predicting they will do in the divisional round, that would be a game to watch. I think they have the greatest chance to upset the Packers at Lambeau. You could argue you like the they did two years ago? about even. You know, like what they did two years ago where they couldn't stop the run against San Francisco and Aaron Rodgers didn't have enough time to throw the ball? And that was in San Francisco as well. But you also look at the regular season game that the Niners and Packers played. It was a very close one, and obviously Rodgers had to pull it out right at the very end. So, if, hypothetically, San Francisco were to make it to the NFC Championship game, they'd probably be, I guess they'd be at Tampa Bay, maybe at the Rams, probably. I mean, the odds would seem to favor Tampa Bay, but... This Niners team, they're capable of losing this weekend or capable of making a run to the Super Bowl. Let's just leave it at that. It just depends on how healthy they are, but I'm still sticking with Green Bay to come out of the NFC. Now, the AFC is a little bit more congested. At the top, you got 12-5 Tennessee, 12-5 Kansas City. You've got Buffalo just behind them at 11-6. Then you got... A host of teams at 10 and 7. And then you have the Steelers, who were just like kind of lucked into their spot. So, the Tennessee Titans, they have three guys who had more than eight sacks this year with 43 as a team. You had Harold Landry with 12. You've got Danico Autry with nine. Jeffrey Simmons with eight and a half. This is a pretty good defensive front, and I think if you have Derrick Henry back healthy, you know, if he doesn't have the bumps and bruises that everyone else does this sort of year, that potentially could be the X factor for them, and we know that they can beat the Chiefs. True. I mean, I, I mean the Chiefs, I however, think... they closed out their year winning – nine of their last 10. And it was really interesting because Kelsey and Hill were very uneven through parts of that. Not I know only that they that, had some just COVID issues this. as well, but. Just remember the last couple of games, Kansas city has won or better yet. There was a loss in between that because if you looked at Jamar Chase stomp all over Javarius Ward, that team quit defensively. And that team took the until the fourth quarter to let, I'm sorry, Drew Locke take a crap all over you? I I will say this. Do I think it's a uh, – I think it's between the Chiefs and the Titans this year. I'd agree. As far as a dark horse team, you could flip a coin of the Bengals or the Patriots. I think Mac Jones is a winner. As much as I despise the Patriots, I will say flat out, Mac Jones looks like a winner. If they're able to expand the playbook and uh, just play fundamentally better, they will ruin 
of Buffalo. As far as the Bengals, it's been a magical year. There's not been what-ifs. There's no lacks of confidence at all. I mean, hey, if Joe Burrow wants to uh, throw the ball to Jamar Chase and then uh, finish the games with a cigar in his mouth, by all means, let him do it. I'm ready to see uh, them win their playoff game for the first time in decades against the just win, baby. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, obviously I'm going with Buffalo to win, and they would face off with KC in the divisional round. I don't see the Bills going into Arrowhead and winning twice in a year. Like you said, Chiefs defense is – they were better for a while, then they've kind of regressed a little bit. So, ultimately, when it comes down to it, at this point, the Titans might be the best team all around. But Plus Henry I mean, Patrick Mahomes, he's that equalizer. You never know what you might get out of him. True. One could argue that it's going to be tough for the Chiefs to make three straight Super Bowls, but that's kind of the gambler's fallacy. Winning the last two really doesn't affect this year at all. However, one can't deny that a team does need a certain amount of good fortune to make it to the Super Bowl in the first place. Good fortune with injuries or a bad call by the officials that goes your way. What well, look, you? well, look at the Saints, uh, you know, the past couple of years, just saying. Yeah. The last, the last five years in the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, we could be here all night talking about that one. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, your final thoughts tonight, Tex? Personally, I don't like having a Monday night wild card game because that's just going to screw with people and their preparations going for a playoff game like Saturday. Okay, fine. But then like Saturday, Sunday, it's the way it's always been like, let's just keep it like that. I'm fine doing three and three for two days, but then having Monday night football for wild card, just like, no, I just, I don't like that. You could argue, well, how is it any different than the regular season? Well, playoff games require more preparation. And just giving yeah. a short week like that, it's just, I don't like it. Maybe I'm just getting old and don't like new things, but. Well, I'm just kind of going like this, right? It it's like, it's so hard, at least when you're an adult, where it's just like, okay, locked in for Saturday, locked in for Sunday. Wait, and I have to do Monday night? Come on, man. I, I'm with you on that. Just get just, look, just give me our one o'clock, four thirty, eight thirty. It's not hard for two days. But when you do it for Monday night too, it's just eh, you know, I agree with you. Yep. Well, this should be a very interesting playoffs. And we'll be back later after this. these playoffs are over. We'll give you more of a roadmap to the offseason. Thank you for sticking with us for this year, Texans Nation. 
And you can stay in touch with us on Twitter at Texans Talk Pod, where we'll give you all the news from all around NFL playoffs. But until next time, he's AJ Torres and I'm Josh McSwain. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.